thank you. I, there used to be a, a chef show on there. I think it was Emerald, and he, he used to have everybody to kick it up a notch. Is he the one? I think the choir kicked it up a notch today for Easter Sunday, and it was a, just a, a blessing. Um, I am going to invite you to turn to John chapter 20 today. Uh, we'll read together verses 1 through 18. It's going to be up on the screen. There's a pew Bible in front of you. Um, also, just as, as a reminder, there's, there's a, an outline in, in your newsletter there if you're the type of person that likes to take notes and do fill-in. The blanks, you can find the answers to the blanks in another part of the newsletter. If, if that is uh, what you'd like to do, then, uh, then enjoy that. While you're turning over to John chapter 20, I just want to say how excited I am about next Sunday. Next Sunday is UMW Sunday. And the UMW is, is a fantastic organization. And their, their only existence is to love on each other and to do mission work. And Andy and I both are members of the UMW. And don't laugh, we are. It says it right in the book of discipline. But we get, that just means we get to go and hang out and, and eat and have fun with them. Uh, and then, but next Sunday, they're going to do all the work. Uh, Pastor Kerry is going to deliver the message. If this might be the first time you've got to hear Pastor Kerry preach, it's going to be awesome. And, and all the UMW members are going to take care of everything in the church. And, and Andy and I just get to sit back and enjoy and be blessed by it. So that's going to be great. That'll be next Sunday. Uh, John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. If you're listening by live stream today, I want to say uh, greetings to you. And we hope that you're blessed today too. John 20, 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw the tomb had been removed, the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to him, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter said to the other Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw that the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she, uh, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended into my Father, to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, 
I have seen the Lord. And she told them that she had said these things, that he had said these things to her. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Have you ever noticed that every time, every Easter, every, about this time of the year, uh, the networks will come up with some show about the life of Jesus. And this year, uh, on History and A&E channels, there was a show that came out with kind of like a mini-series. It was called Jesus, His Life. Um, and it was, it was kind of different. It was looking at the life of Jesus uh, through different characters in Jesus' life, through seeing through their eyes, through, through Joseph, through John the Baptist, through Mary, the mother of Jesus, but even through Mary Magdalene and even Ty Caiaphas and Pontius Pilate. And so it was kind of a different kind of mini-series. Did any of y'all get to see that? Any, a few, you know, nobody raised their hand in the early service and somebody came up and said, don't you know we've all cut the cable? We don't even, we don't even have that kind of TV anymore. So, uh, but there were, if you didn't get to see that one, there is, my favorite one was the one on Netflix. It's just a little 30-minute program. And this one was called Jesus, the Road to Calvary. Now, what caught my attention is it's narrated by Hugh Bonneville, the guy who was the dad on Downton Abbey. And I, I, I thought it was fascinating. It was short, about 30 minutes long, about my attention span, you know what I'm saying? And it was well done, really thought-provoking about uh, the week leading up to the crucifixion and resurrection. So these shows come every year at Easter, and they always have a big viewing, not just by people who are like me who claim to be followers of Jesus, but by people who don't claim to be followers of Jesus, because every year about Easter time, we all get fascinated by Jesus, and we all have this kind of question in the back of our mind. It's like, okay, this Easter thing, this resurrection thing, did it really happen? Did Jesus really rise from the dead, or was it just a metaphor? Was it just kind of a figment of someone's imagination? And there are some people that think that. There are some people that are skeptics, and they think, well, maybe this is not supposed to be real. Maybe it's supposed to be a metaphor or just a nice story or something that we just kind of look to. Well, I just happen to agree, disagree wholeheartedly with that idea uh, because I, I thoroughly, down to my toes, believe that it's real and it happened. And I will go so far as to say, I don't even think the question, did Jesus rise from the dead? I don't even think that's the right question anymore. It's the wrong question. That question's already been settled. I, I think it was settled by the eyewitnesses because we know there are at least 15 accounts and the 15 historical references of people meeting with Jesus, of people touching him, talking with him, eating dinner with him, being taught by him after the resurrection. At one time, Jesus talked to more than 500 people. For 40 days, he taught after the resurrection to people, and he was seen by men. In the first century, it wasn't a question. It was all anybody was talking about, this resurrected Jesus. It wasn't a secret. It was what made the church go. So it was settled by the eyewitnesses, and it just makes common sense. It just makes plain old common sense to know that God has a plan and a purpose, not just for us, but for all of creation. And part of that plan and part of that purpose includes the very idea and the very resurrection itself. We look around us this beautiful spring of the year, and we see all these beautiful flowers, and we know that during the wintertime, we see things move and in the springtime, they move from death into life. And we see, we plant our gardens. We know 
that that seed, that unless that seed dies and is buried in the ground, that nothing can come from it. No fruit can come from it. We see it in our own lives because you and I have eternity placed in our hearts. And we know deep down inside of us, even before we ever turn to God, we know that there's something more going on than just this day-to-day life. There's got to be something more. There's got to be. We feel it inside of our hearts. And we know it's common sense that this 2,000 years later, we wouldn't be meeting here. We wouldn't be talking about Easter if these resurrection witnesses, these hundreds of people that saw the resurrected Jesus, they would not have given their lives. They would not have been martyred for a myth. They would not have given their lives, their very lives, for just a cool story. And we wouldn't be gathered here celebrating this if it weren't settled. And the question is, is it settled in our hearts? That's where it's got to be settled. It's been settled in history. It's been settled in theology. It's been settled in the church. But it's got to be settled in our hearts. Either that or we're wasting our time here. We're wasting our time. Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 17 through 19. He says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then those who have died in Christ have just perished. If for this life we have hoped in Christ only, we are of all people more to be pitied. But Christ goes on, but Paul goes on to say in verse 12, but in fact Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have died. So, yes, Jesus literally bodily resurrected from the dead. He wasn't a figment of somebody's imagination. He wasn't somebody's, somebody's trip that they had because they ate too many mushrooms. He wasn't a zombie. He wasn't a myth. He wasn't a metaphor. He was his own recognizable, resurrectable Jesus in substance different, in substance eternal, but in in reality, his body is going to be like the body that we receive one day, that resurrection body. So somebody's thinking, okay, I know, preacher, you get excited when you start talking about the resurrection. It's Easter Sunday, but really, is this really such a big deal? Is this something that just really matters so much? And I would say, okay, I'll give you that. Is it a fair enough question? Does this really matter all that much? Does it really matter? And I want to say, yes, it does emphatically really matter, especially if you have ever truly loved someone and then you've lost them to death. The resurrection really matters. I've got a lot of, of memories. Easter always makes me nostalgic because I look back to Easter's gone by. I like to go to my mom's house and go down in the basement and pull out the photo albums and look at the pictures that go back. I want to tell you, my pictures go back all the way to, um, not quite to when they did a hammer and chisel like Fred Flintstone, but they definitely go back to the black and white photos, you know. And I can still see in my little mind the black and white photos of my sister there in her little dress. We're standing outside, we got our Easter basket in our hand, and I've got my, my little bow tie on and my little short pants, you know, and I've got my buzz cut because my dad had a buzz cut, so I had a buzz cut like his. And, and there we are, and we were just all happy, and, and it was fun. And I remember dying and making Easter eggs. You know, the kind that you, you boil the eggs and you die. Andy's got the recipe for that, by the way. He knows how to do that. He knows how to, to boil and dye the Easter eggs. 
and we're so excited. And then as I got a little bit older, as a teenager, we got to hide the eggs. We got to help hide the eggs. And, uh, and then when, when our Sunday school teachers weren't listening, we'd throw the eggs at each other, you know. Don't try that at home anyway. You know, I'm not encouraging that kind of behavior, but I'm just saying that's kind of what we did. But all of that was, is memories for me, and I always think about it. But the most memorable Easter that I have uh, as a teenager was the Easter of 1978. And it's memorable, maybe not in the way that you would think it would be memorable, but it, that it was very powerfully memorable for me. Because on Easter of 1978 was the day that I buried my father. Um, I was 17 years old, and my dad died that year on Good Friday, which was March the 24th, 1978. And Easter Sunday afternoon, March the 26th of 1978, there we were in my little home church having the funeral for my dad. And I remember thinking on that Easter, as a 17-year-old, what in the world are we thinking? Having a funeral. This has got to be the worst day in history of the calendar to have a funeral for my dad. Why are we doing it on Easter Sunday? It never really connected with me until in the midst of my grief and, and through my tears, I was able to hear the minister was saying something about John chapter 11 and, and about Jesus going and about Lazarus being dead and about Martha, Lazarus's sister, coming and falling at Jesus' feet and saying, Jesus, if you had only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And I remember hearing these words that Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And those who believe in me, even though they die, yet will they live. And then he said to her, do you believe that? Do you believe that? And then it was just like, pow! It was the Holy Spirit speaking inside of me because all I could say was, Sam, do you believe that? You, you've been going through, you've been coming to church on Easter Sunday your whole life, literally your whole life. But do you really believe that resurrection stuff? Because now's the moment to put it to the test. And somehow, some way, faith was like an anchor in my soul, and it caught on that day, and I said, yes, I do. I do believe. And I still believe. I don't just believe it for me and for my loved ones that I have said goodbye to. I believe it for you, and I believe it for your loved ones. So yes, resurrection matters. It matters when you have to say goodbye to someone to death and then you know that you didn't say goodbye forever because of the resurrection. That Jesus was raised from the dead and because he was raised from the dead as a first fruit, then we will be raised too. We will be raised. So does it matter? Well, yes it matters. And it matters particularly if you're going through a really resurrection matters there's a, a song that we sing at Easter time sometimes that's a favorite of many people it's called because he lives Is, have y'all ever heard that it's a Gaither song um, and I knew it was a Gaither song but until recently I, I didn't know the story behind the song and, and I was very interested to hear it that Gloria Gaither was the one who wrote that and 
during the time that she she wrote it on a New Year's Eve, and she was pregnant, and she was having a really difficult time. It was one of those times that was so bad that you sit at home by yourself in the dark. I don't know if you've ever had those days, but this was one of those days for Gloria Gaither. She she was pregnant. She had just watched something on TV. She just watched a newscast on TV, and it just made her feel like, oh, my gosh, what kind of shape is this world coming to? And she and her husband had been, she was having a difficult pregnancy, for one thing. She and her husband, Bill, had been on the receiving end of a bunch of harsh, harsh criticism. Anytime anyone does well with anything or tries to dare greatly in any endeavor, then all of a sudden they end up as a lightning rod of criticism. And this is what they were going through. They were struggling together. She was struggling with her pregnancy. She had just seen a bunch of junk on TV, and she thought, oh, my gosh, I'm bringing a child into this world. And she thought, who in their right mind would even want to bring a child into this world? And she was at the point of despair. And then she writes that she doesn't exactly know how to explain what happened, but she all of a sudden inside of her felt a release from the panic and the anxiety that she was holding on to. It was, it was replaced by a presence and a soft voice saying inside of her, don't forget the empty tomb. Don't forget the empty tomb. And where she ended up that night on New Year's Eve, sitting alone in the dark, was this. I can face anything. I can face anything that the future holds because he lives. And she got a pen and a piece of paper, and, and she was with one hand on the pen and the piece of paper on the table and the other arm laying across her pe- pregnant tummy. She wrote these words, How sweet to hold a newborn baby and feel the pride and joy he gives but greater still the calm assurance this child can face uncertain days because of what? Because he lives. So maybe you're facing uncertain days right now. I don't know what all you're going through, but whatever you're facing, you can face it with the same calm assurance because the same risen Lord is there for you too. Yes, resurrection matters. Yes, it matters. But now back to the three questions of Easter the question, if the question, did the resurrection really happen, isn't the real question of Easter, what is the real question? I found three of them. I wonder if you found them as we were reading down through there. The first one is the question asked of Mary Magdalene. It's actually repeated twice, once by the angels and once by Jesus himself. And here it goes. Woman, why are you weeping? Why are you weeping? So... Why was Mary weeping? Why do any of us weep? I mean, sometimes we weep for joy, honestly. Uh, sometimes we laugh till we cry. That's, that's kind of one of my favorite emotions, when you laugh till you cry. Sometimes we weep because somebody else is weeping and we have sympathy for them. And you know those people? Is, they're they're kind of like Dolly Parton in Steel Magnolia's where she says, I have a strict policy that nobody cries alone in my presence. Any of y'all like that? If you're crying, I'm going to cry too. You won't be the only one. Sometimes we, sometimes we weep because of physical pain. And I know you tough characters out there, you say, well, not me. And I just want to say, well, you probably haven't hurt bad enough. 
Because we all got our threshold, and I'm sorry, you're going to cry if you hurt bad enough. But sometimes we weep just because something is just so beautiful. I'm not a big, weepy person. But I tell you what stirs me is I can hear music. It's not sad movies, okay? It's not sad movies. It's not things like that. I can hear music that is so beautiful that before I know it, I have tears streaming down my, my cheeks because it's just so amazing. And it just touches me at such a deep place. But sometimes we are going through not physical pain per se, but emotional and spiritual pain. And and our soul just leaks over out of our eyes. That's where Mary Magdalene was. That's why she was weeping. She was an amazing character in the Bible. What we what little we know of her, all of it's amazing. We know that Jesus cast seven demons out of her, and we know that she was one of a group of women that followed Jesus around, Jesus and the other disciples, and ministered to them. We know, we know that Jesus was that Mary Magdalene was present when Jesus was crucified. She was there when they laid him in the tomb. We know that she was the first one to go early that morning to see him on the first Easter morning. And Mary Magdalene was the first one to see the risen Lord. What an honor that was. So Jesus was her everything, and she'd seen him suffer and die. She had gone there that morning to anoint his body with spices, and she got there, the stone was rolled back, and the tomb was empty, and I'm sure she thought, well, great. Now somebody's stolen his body. So that was just like the last straw, and she couldn't take it, and she broke down, and she was crying. Woman, the angel said, why are you weeping? Why am I weeping? Are you kidding me? Look, somebody's stolen his body after everything I've been through. Woman, why are you weeping? You know how they could ask that question? That obvious question? Because they had information she didn't have. And then she turns around and she sees Jesus, but she doesn't recognize him through the tears. And Jesus says, woman, why are you weeping? Let me make this point to you this morning. And let me just stop here and ask you a personal question. Why are you weeping? What is it that causes you to weep? Is it because of your circumstances? Is it because of pain, physical or emotional pain? Are you feeling afraid? Are you feeling hopeless? Maybe you're like Mary Magdalene and you just forgot. Or you just haven't realized that you are in the presence of the risen Christ. The risen Christ is with us. The risen Christ is with us. Okay, I'm going to do that one more time because when I say this, I want y'all to get all Pentecostal and say hallelujah real loud, okay? All right, the risen Christ is with us. Hallelujah. That's great. That's great. So for whatever reason you're weeping, the risen Christ is with us. The second question of Easter was also addressed to Mary Magdalene in verse 15. She was asked, whom are you looking for? Whom are you looking for? Well, who was she looking for? She was looking for a dead body, really. She was looking for the dead body of Jesus. 
But maybe if we dig a little bit deeper, who she was really looking for is she was looking for the Jesus that she had known before the crucifixion. That's what she wanted was the Jesus of yesterday because she loved Jesus. She walked with Jesus. She talked with Jesus. That's what she wanted. She wanted to, she wanted to find Doc Brown's car from back in the future, that DeLorean, you know, and get in that and go back to the time when Jesus was still there. She wanted that Jesus. But she was looking in the wrong place <laughs> because she wasn't going to find a corpse and she wasn't going to get to go back to the past. And sometimes I think we look for the wrong Jesus too. Uh, sometimes I think we have this Jesus in our mind that we want to find. This, we want the Jesus that looks like us and thinks like us and believes like us and loves the same things we love and hates the same things we hate. That's the Jesus we want. Or maybe we want that Jesus that, that kind of comes in and, and takes away the problems and helps our team to win and, and, and does all of this. Or, or I call it, sometimes we want the 911 Jesus. The Jesus is kind of, in the case of emergency, Lord, on a regular day I can handle it, but when things get really bad, I'll just you know, break the little glass and pull the lever and you'll come in and help me. The 911 Jesus. But we don't get to pick the Jesus we want, do we? Jesus is the resurrected Lord, and when Jesus comes into our lives and when he comes into our churches, then sometimes he flips over tables, doesn't he? But sometimes he just brings new life. He brings new life. The third question of Easter is not fun is not one you're going to find in John chapter 20 but I really think it's implied here and that third question is what difference does Easter make for you and what are you going to do about it what difference does all this make what does it make for you and what are you going to do about it I can't answer that question for you but I can answer it for me I can tell you what difference Easter makes for me and it starts with this, because of Easter, all of my yesterdays are forgiven. I'm so glad about that, because I'm well aware of the ways that my life falls short for God's best for me. I know all of that. But the great thing is, because of the resurrection, I don't have to live my life in the penalty box. If I can use a hockey metaphor there, I don't have to live my life in the penalty box. I can get out because I know I'm forgiven. I know I'm forgiven. Because of Easter, my todays are livable. Whatever comes my way, I know that I can make it because he lives. That's what Easter means. And because of Easter, my tomorrow is secure. Look, we're all going to die. We don't like to dwell on it or be morbid, but we know it's going to happen. But because of the resurrection, I know I've got hope for a future. That when I come to the end of this life, whenever it is, it won't be the ending. It will be the beginning. That's what Easter means. Easter means that God gets the last word. And that last word is good. Pontius Pilate didn't get the last word. 
The crowd that yelled crucify him didn't get the last word. Even death itself didn't get the last word. God got the last word. And it was good. So, what am I going to do about it? I'm going to tell all of you about it. I'm going to tell all of you about it. And I'm going to encourage you to spread hope. And tell other people that God still brings new life. I got a text this week from a woman. It's a member of another church where I served. And I hadn't heard from her in a while. And when I saw her name come up on the text, I immediately thought, oh, no, what happened? You know, after you haven't heard from somebody in a while, you think, you think, oh, no, what happened? But it was good. And I just read this text to you. Um, she said, I had to let you know something. You preached a sermon a couple of years ago and asked us to select four or five people that we knew who were far away from God and to just start praying for them. When I told them, I said, I want you to, I want you to think about people that you know that are far away from God for whatever reason, they're far away from God. And I'm not, I'm not asking you to go and knock on their door and, and, and hand them the Bible and start talking to them. I just want you to start praying for them. I want you to kind of have your own new life hit list of people that you just pray for, just you and God. So this is years ago, and she says, well, one of those people I was praying for has recently become a Christian, and his life is completely turned around, and he's in a really good place in his life right now. And it's so wonderful seeing your prayers answered. God is so good. Now that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. That's why I say Easter people, raise your voices because he's still bringing people back to life. The risen Christ is with us. God, how thankful we are. How thankful we are that every time we gather here, it's a celebration of the resurrection. That the worst thing that can happen to us is never the last thing that happens to us because of the resurrection. Help us, Lord, like those first disciples, to just go and spread the news that you get the last word and that that word is good. The risen Christ is with us. Amen. We are going to do something extra special as we close.